Thank you, Pastor. Wow. This, this is an awesome place. God, God's spirit is in this place. I, I felt the anointing. I know it's here. Uh, last year, one of the classes I was supposed to teach at Impact University and did get to teach, is, it was called the anointing. And they said, Pastor Mike, would you, would you teach the anointing? And I, I began to pray, how do you teach the anointing? Holy Spirit, his power and, and the glory of God is in this place. I felt it. I felt the anointing. I know it's here. But you can't, you can't teach the anointing from a book. Isn't that right, Pastor? There's just no way. There's no way to teach what God wants to do. And so my wife and I were praying about it. An angel was praying about it. And uh, what we came up with and what God showed us is uh, just, just have church and let Holy Spirit show up. And we prayed, and, and my wife said, honey, they're all going to be laying on the floor tomorrow morning. And I thought, you know, it's, it's got to be God when something like that happens. We, we started out, had some praise and worship, and the whole class was on the floor because the Holy Spirit just showed up. And, and you know, I know he's welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place this morning. God, you know what our needs are. You know what's stirring inside people right now. You know the hurts, the disappointments, the things that the enemy has tried to come in and steal from your people. And Lord, Lord in Jesus' name, let, let your Holy Spirit's power just flow right now as we open up your word and see what your word has to say. Your, your spirit moves through your word because your word is spirit and it's life. And I thank you for your presence. Lord, just anoint my lips and let me rightly divide the truth of your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. When, when we were worshiping, uh, a word just came up in my spirit, and I don't know who needs this. I, I suppose we all do. God says, you're going to recover it all. <laughs> recover, recover it all. Because the enemy has been trying to steal truth from the church, the body of Christ, and he's come in with deception and everything you can, especially this past year. Am I the only one that's had to deal with stuff? We all have. And, and he tries to come in and steal truth from us. When David was at Ziklag, the enemy had come in and took all his possessions. And I'm sure pastors preached on this before. But he came and, and, and he, he took uh, the enemy came in and took the possessions that David had, came right into his home place, took his wife, his children, his possessions, and when he got back from battle, it was gone. When, when we're fighting the battle for God, that's when the enemy likes to come in and try and steal from us. And David went before God, and, and he was discouraged. He was, he was really in a place where he felt some of his people wanted to kill him. That's pretty bad, Pastor, when your people want to kill you. <laughs> They're not here. 
But he, that's what he felt like. And he went before God and he said, God, by the way, I didn't plan on preaching this. This is just coming out of my spirit. So if you need this, receive it right now. He, he went before God and he said, God, should I go and pursue? And God says, yeah, go and pursue. And he said, God, will I, will I get it back? And God said, you will recover it all. Recover it all. And whatever the enemy's been coming against you with this past year or recently, God's word for you this morning is you can recover and you will recover it all. That's the kind of a God we've got. God, God is a good God. Oh, he's such a good God. And what happens when the spirit of revival falls, and that's what's happening in this place, is God's people go out on the street and where people are at that are lost and bring them in. And you would say, well, your, your class was on the floor, so what? Well, it happened the whole semester. Every time we got together, the Spirit of God would fall, and these, these young men and women would go out on the street, and they'd, they'd reach out to hurting, lost people. They'd get them saved. They'd lay hands on the sick, and they recovered. That's the anointing. And that's what God does when he is moving in, in the midst of people. And if you need that this morning, listen, God says you will recover it all. Take that. Take that. And again, I, you know, pastor asked me to come and share, and I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share whatever God shows me. Since the last time I've been here, you know, we do the street ministry, and you guys have been an awesome help out on the street. Uh, we, we're still doing that first and third uh, Saturdays at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We go to the 5th Street area. We're reaching people who are drug addicts, homeless, prostitutes, you name it. What, whatever the need is, God is, is touching lives out on the street. And you are welcome to come join us again because I believe God wants us to go out to the highways and the hedges. They're not going to come here. We've got to go there. That's, that's how we have to reach people for Jesus. And uh, so when, when the Spirit of God is moving, it causes people to go out where they're at because every one of you have an, has an assignment. Your, your work is an assignment. Your school is an assignment. Your family is an assignment from God. And, and you are designed to go into your area and to take up your assignment and to take up your anointing, to take up your purpose and to flow in that. And that's what revival does. And I, I, I know that I know it's here. Since I was here last time, uh, I've been working on a book called No Darkness at All for my doctorate degree. And one of the things that this book deals with is there are so many people that are mad at God because they think that God is their problem. People have been taught that, that God is the one who causes sickness and disease and death and destruction to come on them. And usually when that kind of teaching goes forth, uh, people get the idea that God is trying to teach them something by giving them cancer or breaking their leg 
or causing an accident. You know what? God is never the cause of death, destruction, sickness, or disease of any kind. And that's what started to jump in my spirit as I was writing this book. And, and as I was thinking on this and, and how so many people get mad at God. We, we've lost two children in the last 10 years, isn't it, honey? About, it's been about 10 years. It, it's so easy to blame God. Or we get these cliches, well, God needed her in heaven. Or God took your baby because he needs another angel in heaven. God doesn't need any more angels in heaven. He's got millions of them. So why did that happen? If God is good all the time, and he is, and that's a distinction that we have got to learn. We have got to learn the difference between darkness and light. And we've got to get our, our whole paradigm changed because if you don't believe that God is good all the time, and if you believe that God maybe is putting a sickness on you to teach you something, let me ask you a question. How can you have faith to be healed if you think God is doing it to you? How? When we first came here, Pastor uh, it's 1988, and I was on the radio. I was on 55 AM, and we were on 88.1 before they got so big you couldn't get on anymore, you know. But uh, as I was here starting Abundant Life Fellowship when we first came here, I got word that a young lady was at Baptist Hospital dying of cancer. And she was, she was ready to go. And the Spirit of God just kind of came on me and said, go down there and lay hands on that young lady and believe God to heal her. And I said, well, God, I'll go. I, you know, I don't even know the family. Somehow they got word that I was coming, and they had heard me on the radio saying that, that God, it's always God's will to heal. And by the way, I believe that. I don't believe he is just can heal. I believe it is always God's will to heal. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for my sickness and disease on the cross. He paid it. And so I went down to the hospital, and when I walked in, somehow they had gotten word that I was coming there. And uh, I said, uh, and I, you know, I greeted them, and, and I said, could I pray for your daughter? And they said, no, we, we don't want you to pray for our daughter because God's want, God wants to take her home. He put this disease on her. God wants to take her home. They wouldn't let me pray for her. And it broke my heart. And, and she did die. She did die of, of, of this disease. Listen, if you believe that God is giving you sickness or disease, for example, how can you, how can you possibly have faith to receive your healing? You can't. You've got to understand that God is good all the time. And in him is no darkness at all. And the problem I had with that, I believe that, but the problem I had with that is I'd be reading through the Old Testament, and there's places in the Old Testament where God says, I kill, come on, I destroy, I'll put diseases on you that I have put on. 
the, the, the enemies of the nation Israel. There's places in the Bible where Uzzah, for example, he's carrying the ark, and they're, they're headed towards uh, where they're supposed to. They came to the threshing floor, and as they came to the threshing floor, the ark of the covenant that contained the presence of God back then started to shake. And so Uzzah puts out his hand because he, he figured, I better help God out here because this thing going to tip. So he, t- he touches the ark, and immediately he dies on the spot. That bothered me. And I said, God, if you're, if you're good all the time and there's no darkness at all in you, how come in the Old Testament you see places like that? Where, where God actually, first person singular, says, I kill. And so I did a detail. I've spent years studying, researching the language and what is being said, especially when God says first person singular, I kill or I, I will destroy. Why does, how can that possibly be if there is no destruction and no death in God at all? Why is he saying he does that? I had a, do you have a problem with that? Have you ever read that in the Old Testament? Let me ask you this. Is God good all the time? Is the devil bad all the time? Here's what I came up with in a nutshell. And I could spend hours teaching on this. But in a nutshell, this is what God showed me. As I began to read first person singular and went through all these verses and, and the, the, the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, about where God seems to be the one that's causing the problem, he is never the cause of the problem. It's a result of the wrong choice that people made. It says in Deuteronomy, I have set before you today life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose, say choose. Choose life. Choose life. Now, just because someone gets attacked doesn't mean they made the wrong choice because we live in a fallen world and even the creation is groaning with the destruction of the fall. But it came from the devil, not from God. There is no destruction in heaven. Hallelujah. Do you know there's no flu in heaven? My friend David Ingalls used to sing a song. I don't know if I should sing it or not. Should I try and sing? I never heard of a heavenly flu. Have you? Have you? I've heard about Hong Kong. I've heard about swine. But they're not mine. I'd never heard of a heavenly flu. Have you? Have you? Is there any sickness in heaven? So if God says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where's God going to get sickness to put on you? If he doesn't have any. Here's another one. If Jesus bore our sicknesses and our diseases like the Bible says he did, Right? Isaiah 53, 5. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, if he paid the price for my sickness and disease, why would God 
put sickness and disease on somebody that has already been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. This may sound awful to you, but I, I believe this. If you think that, that God the Father would put sickness and disease on you, wouldn't he be committing high treason against what Jesus Christ did on the cross? I know that sounds awful. It does. But he doesn't. God doesn't do that. There is no sickness and disease in heaven. And Jesus Christ, when he, when he took those stripes, he took my sickness, he took my sin, he took my disease upon himself on the cross. And by his stripes, I'm healed. And so are you. And so that's the struggle I had with this thing. And uh, on the back cover, let me just read a couple of things just to get you interested in this. I, I can't preach on this whole thing now. But on the back cover, it, it, it says, Many have blamed God for affliction, or at the very least, they have accepted the problem as God's will for their life. If you believe that God is doing something evil to you to teach you a lesson or to develop your faith, how can you have faith to be healed or be delivered from any difficulty? Let's get in the Word just for a minute here. Turn to 1 John. This is where I got the title for this book. It's called No Darkness at All, and it shows the thinker. My wife said, if you put it, a picture of a naked man sitting on a toilet in front of that book. Nobody's going to buy it. But he's thinking. What he's thinking about here is the scriptures on there, some of the scriptures I just quoted to you, I kill, I destroy. Uh, uh, and, and then it, it, it says, 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And here's this guy sitting there thinking, how can that be? And that's the problem I had, Pastor. You know, how can you? And, and we need some answers to this. Listen, we can't just preach that God is good all the time and it's not God is not the author of sickness and disease. We better know what the Word says. And you, you better be able to back it up with the Word. And that's why I wrote this book. I want, I want it to be a manual for people to use to understand that God is never the cause of destruction. But he does permit you to choose what you choose. If he didn't, you would, you would be nothing but an automaton, a robot. And he makes you make the choices that you make. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Pastor, I know you do too. The sovereignty of God says God's, God is in charge and uh, over, over the affairs of men in heaven and on earth, and he is. But within his sovereignty, he has given us, because we are made in his image, he has given us the right to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. Choice and free will is an asset that God has given to you. But you know, for every asset of choice, there is the liability of consequence. Don't preach me down. I mean, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. There, there's consequence. 
God is, and and because we face consequences, and it's not necessarily a a bad choice even. We could just be, because we are living in a fallen world, stuff is going to happen. But you're going to recover it all. (laughs) I read the end of the book, and it says, we win. Oh, bless God, we win. So what does Scripture say about this? Turn to 1 John. And let, let's just look at a few verses here just for a minute. Now, First John, right toward the end of your New Testament, not the gospel, First John chapter 1. John wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the gospel of John. He wrote first, second, and third John. And he wrote the book of the Revelation. John was one of the inner circle, the, the, the three men that seemed to be the closest to Jesus during his earthly ministry were who? Peter, James, John. John knew Jesus. John knew what he was like. John knew how he acted. And in 1 John chapter 1, at the very beginning, let's look at Scripture and back what we're saying up with the Word of God. Because if you leave here saying, well, Pastor Mike said God doesn't do anything to me like that, then, then all you've got is my opinion. Your opinion has got to be based on the Word of God. It has to be. And so John says, that which we, this is verse 1 of 1 John chapter 1, that which we have, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. And so John is saying, listen, we walked with Jesus. This is what he's like. This is, this is what he wants to say to us. Look at verse 5. This is the message. Say the message. It's, it's singular And it's got the definite article in the original language. Ha, the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. Now, what he is about to say here is is one of the most powerful statements in the word of God. And if you'll get this one concept right, it'll clear up your thinking about God and what he's like. God is light. This is the message. Everybody say, this is the message. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You know, that's pretty elementary when you get right down to thinking about it. God, we say it all the time. God is good all the time. The devil is bad all the time. If you would just get that thinking straight in your theology, it will straighten out everything about understanding what God is like. God is good all the time. In, in him, there is, and in him is no darkness at all. None. He could have just said no darkness. But he added that one little phrase right at the end of the verse. It's udamiya. Not none at all. When my son Mike was a young boy, I came home from work, and Mike had found some black oil that I had drained from my truck with about eight, ten thousand 10,000 miles. I mean, it was 
just junky oil that I put in a five-gallon can. And I came home, and Mike was painting my yellow rental house. <laughs> with this black grease, and the house was kind of faded already because it wasn't brand new paint. I'm renting this house, and here's Mike. He is painting this house with this big old brush, and he had uh, a third of the house painted, <laughs> you know. And I looked, and I, I said, oh, Lord. And Mike's standing there with a smile on his face. And I'm thinking, what is he smiling about? Listen, he wasn't doing that to be rebellious. He was doing it because he loved his daddy. He was going to help his daddy. Now, I made it clear to Mike that you don't paint houses with, with black oil. But he said, uh, he looked at me and, and he, he knew I was upset. He said, Dad, uh, are you mad at me? And I said, no, Mike, I, I'm not. I know you did this because you love me. Now, don't do it again, Mike. Don't, don't do it again. But he said, do you, do you still? I said, yes, I love it. He said, are you mad at me? And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Listen, that's the sense of this verse that I want you to see and I want you to understand. In him is no darkness at all. He doesn't have any darkness to give you. Think of two kingdoms. You have the kingdom of light, and in the kingdom of light is healing, deliverance, salvation, forgiveness, all the good stuff that God has given to us. And when you switch over, just picture this in your mind, to the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness is death, all of the stuff that came from the fall, right? Death disease, sickness, destruction, poverty, depression, all of that junk is part of Satan's kingdom. When Jesus was out ministering and healing the sick and, and getting people out of bondage, some people came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you're doing that under what? Whose kingdom? The devil's kingdom. And Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If I do this under God's kingdom, then receive it. Jesus said, I don't mess with Satan's kingdom. That, that's pretty easy to figure out, isn't it? Matter of fact, it goes on to talk about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you, if you don't understand that God is good all the time, and if you start blaming God for being under Satan's kingdom and doing what the devil does, it gets into the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have time to get into that one. But think about that. Say good. Now say evil. If you were to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we don't have time to do that now, but think about this. Do you know one of the very first things that happens way back in the book of Genesis is the devil is talking to Eve, and Eve says, uh, God has said, we shall not partake of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil, he just took the same words and, and changed the order of them. Do you ever notice that? He says, 
has God said? Eve said, God has said. The devil said, has God said? Listen, all you have to do to get out of faith and into darkness is to twist the word of God and change God has said into has God said. You believe this book? I know you do. I heard you singing about it. (laughs) I know you believe this book. I know you know it's true. If you will say God has said when the enemy comes against you, instead of has God said. You see, if if you think that destruction and death are from God, you're not going to say God has said. You're going to say, has God said? Oh, man. And so the devil says to Eve, God knows. <laughs> this is crazy. God knows that in the day you eat of this tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do You know, that wasn't a 100% lie. It was part truth and part lie. Because after she partook, and Adam partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they started knowing good and evil. You know what the problem was? They didn't know the difference. Let that sink in a minute. Yeah, they they knew they were naked. But now they, they, they know good and evil, but they didn't know the difference. Do you know that's what's wrong with our world today? People don't know the difference between good and evil. And because people don't know the difference between good and evil, we have renamed sin. And we start giving sin names that sound like it's okay. Look at Isaiah 5 for just a second. I'll try not to go too long on this, Pastor, but I, I, this, this is something we, we've got to see, we've got to understand. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, turn with me. It says, whoa, this is verse, verse 20. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Everybody still with me? Who who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. What the world has done today is it is taken what is evil and call it's okay. It, it, what used to be fornication, oh Lord. Now, <laughs> what do they call it now? I have not, there's a lot of different names for it now. Shacking up, that, that sounds a little too rough for some people. Well, we're just living together. The Bible calls it sin. You see, we've put evil for good and good for evil. We've, we've renamed what is destroying people and giving it another name. And that's where the hurt and the destruction comes in. 
in the book of uh, Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Right? You know what that is? That's moral relativity. It's what's being taught in most colleges today. Do what's right. If it's, if it's okay for you, it's fine. There's no absolute. There's no definite. There's no truth. And there's no distinction between light and between darkness. And so we've got to see what the Word of God says and understand the difference. And so what I've done uh, in this book is I've, I've tried to explain the difference between these two things. And I even put some questions in here. Let me read a couple of questions that, that I've written in this book. As a pastor, you get asked a lot of tough questions, don't you, Pastor? Here's some of the ones that I deal with in the book. Why did God let my child die? Why did God allow evil in the world since it has caused so much pain and suffering? How can a good God sit back and do nothing about all the awful things that are happening? Babies are dying, being murdered. How can God sit back and do nothing? Where was God when I needed him? Why does God not answer my prayer? How could the Bible heroes do so many bad things? Is there any sin that God will not forgive? Hmm. What is the sin unto death? Why would a good God send anyone to hell? What happens to babies who die? When will there be peace on earth? What is the lake of fire? Tough questions. But if you have a wrong concept of God, you're going to say that God is doing these things. Moses went before God one day and he said, God, show me your glory. Remember that? And God said to Moses, I can't. Because if I show you my glory, you'll die. But this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll, you know the story. He said, I'll place you in the cleft of a rock. And I'll cover you with my hand. And I will cause all my what to pass before you. Goodness. Here, watch this. The goodness of God is synonymous with the glory of God. Could it be that we're not seeing the glory of God because we don't see the goodness of God? Because it's the goodness of God that causes people to come to repentance. It's the goodness of God that causes people to get set free. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And one of the things I deal with uh, in this book is right along this line. And I just want to read a couple of things. I'm going to, I'm going to try and connect right here because I, I want, God told me God was, he was going to heal some people's broken hearts today. And he's going to help some people that have been angry with him. And maybe that's you. I don't know. But God said, I, I want to heal my people. 
I want them to know how good I really am because he's a good God. And so in, in chapter 11, I, I put seven things in here. I'm just going to read a couple of them to help you. Uh, about the goodness of God produces faith is the title of this chapter. Number one, it brings you to repentance. Number two, it gives you hope. This is the goodness of God now, okay? Number three, it eliminates your failures. Number four, it gives you back your dream. Number five, it makes you fall in love with your God. Number six, it convinces you that success is possible. Number seven, it destroys the work of your accuser. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the accuser of the brethren has been destroyed by what Jesus did for us? But just a couple of these. Let, let's just think about a couple of these because here's, here's where I think the healing is going to come in right now. Number one, it brings you to repentance. The Bible tells us in Romans, it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. A lot of churches think that their ministry is the ministry of condemnation instead of the ministry of reconciliation, right? And when we go out on the street, we, we tell people about the goodness of God. God is not out to get you. God is not out to destroy you. He wants to give you a purpose and a hope and a future. And when you preach the goodness of God, that God is good all the time, it leads people to repentance. It changes them. It touches their heart. Number two, it gives you back your hope. Did I, I think I've told you the story about my dog, Snoopy. How many dog lovers are here? You love dogs. I love dogs. Right now, we've got a golden retriever named Sasha. <laughs> and she's only five months old, but she, she will wear you out right now. But I had a dog named Snoopy, and Snoopy was a, uh, a beautiful retriever. And he, one day he was walking out in front of our house. We lived back in the woods. Our neighbor went by a little too fast and hit Snoopy. And I could see Snoopy was really, Snoopy ran off into the woods. And it was a couple of days, and I began to think, God, is she dead? What's going on? I love that dog. So I, I, God said, I said, God, just show me where that dog is. Because you care about the dog. God does love dogs, you know. He loves cats too, but I think he loves dogs more. <laughs> and, and I said, God, where's Snoopy? And he said, just walking back your house into the woods and I'll show you. So I walked in back of the house and I walked up the hill a short ways. And there was Snoopy laying at the base of a tree, broken and, and wounded. And, and she went, he went there because he, he was ready to die. And Snoopy had given up hope. Animals will do that when they're going to die. They, they like to get on there, go hide somewhere and just die. And I looked at Snoopy and he looked at me. <laughs> and as soon as I, I looked at him, I don't know if dogs can get a smile on their face or not, but I saw something coming up. Something revived. I picked up Snoopy, and I, I carried him out of the woods, took him to the vet, and they sewed Snoopy all up and fixed all the wounds and gave him the antibiotic, and they put this stupid-looking funnel on Snoopy's head. <laughs> 
and look like a spaceman, you know. And when, when I did that, God said to me, you know, a lot of my people are broken the same way. They're hurting. And all they need is to get their hope back. And this is where we're going to finish with this thing. But listen, just listen to the Spirit of God this morning. Maybe, maybe you've been broken and wounded and torn up. Maybe it's been your own stupid mistakes, just like my stupid mistakes hurt me. But somehow you have lost your hope and lost your purpose and lost your, your future. And what God is saying to you this morning is, look, I, I'm good all the time. It says in Jeremiah 29, I know you know this verse. It says that, that God does not, these are the thoughts that I have about you. You, don't want, to, you want to know what God thinks about you? What amazes me is that God even thinks about me. <laughs> I mean, you know, here's the creator of the universe. And he says, I think about you. And you would think that God would think bad stuff about me because of some stupid stuff I've done. But he says, no. Here's the thoughts that I have to you. And he thinks about you, and he knows you by name. And he says, here's the thoughts that I have about you. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts to bless you and to give you a future and a hope. If you will get your thinking along those lines right now, that God is good all the time. He is never out to destroy you. He is never out to get even with you. Listen, he got even with your sin on the cross <laughs> because Jesus paid it all, took the sting of death for you. If you've ever been stung by a honeybee, when a honeybee stings you, that, that stinger will go into your, your flesh. And if you try to pull that honeybee off, the, the stinger and that little sack will stay on there. and It'll keep pumping poison into you. And, and the honeybee dies. Listen, Jesus Christ took the sting of my mess and the sting of your mess. And he finished off the accuser. Hallelujah. It's been paid for. You are forgiven. God loves you. He has destroyed the work of the accuser. And God is never out to get you. He is out to bless you. I'll see that this morning. Bow your heads for a minute. Lord, you, you know what's going on in people's hearts right now. You know the hurts, you know the resentments. Hmm. God, would you, in Jesus' name, would you heal the hurts right now? Let your people see that you love them. There. All right. There, there's some women here today that were hurt and abused 
the wrong way as a child. Hmm. And, and all your life, you've looked at that thing and said, God, why did you make that happen to me? And God is saying to you right now, I, I didn't make it happen. My child, this, this is a fallen world. And even through that hurt, I was right there weeping and loving you. And it's not your fault. God, would you just heal those hurts right now? God did not make that happen to you. Maybe you've lost a child like we have. And you said, God, why did you, why did you take my child? That's, that's not the right question. The right question is, why did my child die? And there's so many possibilities. But God didn't take your child. He loves you. God, would you heal those hurts right now? In Jesus' name. Some of you have been hurt by ministry or churches. God didn't make that happen to you. It's just the ignorance of people. And you've got to see how much God loves you this morning. So I'm going to pray a prayer of healing over you right now. Receive whatever you need right now. Father, in Jesus' name. I ask that you would touch each one of your children right now. Let them have their get their hope back, get their purpose back, get their direction back, and move in their anointing. In Jesus' name, heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you so stir up this message in us that we'll give it to other people because you said we got grace for grace. And because you gave it to us, we want to give it to other people. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, I want you to make this confession of faith with me. I like to do this every time I minister. And this is the, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if you're a child of God this morning, I want you to make this confession of faith with me right now out loud because we need to confess our faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, right now if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God will make a new creation out of you. And he'll do that right now. So let's say this together, everybody together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you went to the cross and became sin for me. I believe you rose from the dead to start a new family, children of God. And today, by the confession of my mouth and the belief in my heart, I am your child. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. What a good God we have.
What a good God we have. Thank you for letting me share, Pastor. This, this is an awesome church. I felt the anointing in this place. And I know, uh, I, I know that God is not going to re, uh, just recover it all for every person. He's going to recover it all for this church. You're going to see an explosion of the glory of God in this place. It started already, and I know you know this, but you're, you're going to see an explosion of the glory of God in this place. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys. Thank you for, for listening. Praise God.